well, we've been in a two-year journey. Aren't you glad I prayed that way? And aren't you glad that God recorded acts for us? It'd be hard to think about, you know, not knowing what happened so early on. God's so good to give it to us. that We could read it, hold it in our hands. And so we started in the fall of 2012. And I may not read every title, but I'm going to hit a few of them here before we stand and read our final text uh, tonight. Maybe some of these are sound familiar. Some of them maybe you were asleep and uh, you missed. Just missed that one. Just kidding. The purpose of Acts and your life purpose. Go forth in his name, preparing for a big day, a spirit-filled church. We are, witness, we are all witnesses. When the gospel is preached, we have something better than silver and gold. Faith in Christ makes us strong, encountering opposition for his name. Let's get back to spreading the gospel, the danger of partial surrender. Do you remember that in Acts 5? Cease not to preach Christ, growing pains. And then we came to a faithful man about Stephen. And it's hard to hear when you're covering your ears. Crossing, crossing cultural boundaries for the gospel, the tracker. Brother Ananias, meet Brother Saul. The soil for spiritual growth. I just shared with the new members class, we were talking about the uh, open Bible being a part of our logo and the ribbon being like a road going through the Bible and how that God takes us on a journey, doesn't he, through his word. And we came to that one, the soil for spiritual growth, talking about the hard times the church came to. We, and we came to that May 2013, a year ago, as the tornado hit. You know, God's timely, isn't he? And how, where he has us, even in the preaching of the word. And then um, taking the gospel into a new territory. God's open door policy about Peter and his time there and with Cornelius. The cause for celebration in every nation, a helpful church. When feeble people pray to the almighty God, it begins with God's work in the sending church, Acts 13. Taking root in a foreign soil. Baptist church planting on the world's frontier. That was one of my favorite uh, things to study out there in Acts chapter 14. Baptist church planting on the world's frontier. The first global meeting of the independent Baptist. Uh, that was right before we had the, independent, or the global independent Baptist uh, fellowship meeting here a year ago. Which by the way we'll have again here in 2017. Just so you can get ready for that. All right. <laughs> Side by side in the gospel ministry. Come over and help us. I just returned from Brazil, and we were there in Acts 16 about the Macedonian call. Come over and help us. Well, what did I hear Tom and Cindy Brewer say? But come over and help us. More work to be done here in Hedonia, Brazil. Reaching the receptive, what you must do to be saved. Turning the world right side up. Search the scriptures. Thanksgiving in ancient Athens and modern America. Your part in helping church planners, strengthening all disciples, the next step in your spiritual life, the power of the word in a world filled with impostors, future plans and present problems. It takes teamwork to leave a legacy, a life that points others to Christ. Sound the battle cry. That one kind of was born out of the pastoral uh, preparation class and responsibility. The will of the Lord be done. Disciples follow Jesus. Showing love to those who express hate. You remember that with the Haynes being here and 
talking about uh, evangelism among the Muslims. And it just so happened that where we were in Acts 22 was emphasizing showing love to those who express hate. We witness while God works. When did faith in Christ become a crime? The July 4th message. Blameless before your critics. His commission is our mission. I borrowed that title from uh, Brother Rick McQueen. Maintaining momentum in the mission. Get on board with God's will. That's when we had Welcome Heartland Sunday. Hope in the point of desperation. Spiritual leadership in a secular world. Everyday providence. God's aim for your life. And tonight, preaching the gospel to the end. I think I just did in two minutes what took us two years to do. <laughs> it's been a journey. I love it. Love it. What God does. Well, take your Bibles tonight and turn to Acts 28, if you would, please. Acts 28. Last two verses. We'll honor God's Word tonight by standing, reading, and preaching, and applying these last two verses. Acts 28, verse 30. And 31. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. That's it. But that's not it. It keeps going. It's going on today. Yeah. God's still at work. The preaching, preach the gospel to the end. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. We'll get into the message here tonight. Maybe the ending seemed a little abrupt. Like, okay, but what else happened to Paul? I mean, he, he's there for two years. He's supposed to appear before Caesar. He just left us hanging. Have you ever had somebody tell you a story and they just totally left you hanging there? Well, it seems like it does. I mean, we can gather, can't we, from 1 Timothy and from Titus and then, of course, from 2 Timothy that Paul evidently was released. Maybe it was that his accusers didn't ever show up and they let him go. And uh, he traveled, evidently. He traveled a little bit more with the gospel. Some say he went as far as Spain. We don't have any way of actually verifying that, but we know he wanted to go to Spain. And we do know that he would travel around more and had freedom to do that. But then from 2 Timothy, we can tell that he was once again in prison and in Rome. And history tells us that eventually that he uh, was executed by beheading. And, and so you would think that... If Luke knew that at the point which he finished it, that he would have said something about that. And so maybe Luke did finish this account prior to all that taking place, and he gave us everything under inspiration that he knew to that point. But you know, as I gave consideration to this, and others also pointed out, Luke is more focused on the message than he is on the messenger. The book of Acts, and I hope this has been an enlightening study for you, that the book of Acts... Is, is not so much a focus on the church itself, though that obviously is a major focus there, and it's not so much on the preachers of the gospel as much as it is on the gospel's movement itself. I like what a man said. Uh, he said, 
the book of Acts is not about the life and death of Paul, but the rise and spread of the gospel. The rise and spread of the gospel. So sure, yeah, if you think that Acts is about Paul's life, which we know it's not because obviously there's so much more involved in Acts than just Paul's life, though from chapter 13 till now, I mean really we've emphasized because the Bible has Paul's life. But Luke's focus from chapter 1 as he wrote and addressed Theophilus, he's saying to Theophilus, Theophilus, I want you to know how quickly the gospel spread and that gives evidence to how powerful the gospel is. And so don't be shy about the gospel, but rather go forth with great confidence and proclaim the gospel wherever you go. We have folks uh, tonight who just came from the Fishers of Men class. Well, that's for good reason, because they can spread the gospel and have authority to do that from on high. And that's what people did here in the book of Acts. As we've gone along, I'm sure that you've also seen this, that that the book of Acts is a group of witnesses to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is central. That is central to the Gospels. That is central to Acts. That's central to the whole Bible, the truth of the resurrection. And what are we here doing tonight? We are giving witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing tonight. Even though we did not see the resurrected Savior, we are continuing the account of those who did. Of those who did. And I'm sure that everyone here tonight would agree that the gospel spread so rapidly and so far, as far as even Rome, all the way from Jerusalem, all the way to Rome, and that that was a result of God's work. Not merely the work of a group of fishermen who got together and said, I wonder if we can come up with a story and make it go as far as Rome. Or tax collectors, or common men, or previous uh, Christian killers such as Paul. No, my friend, this was the work of God. Can I read you a little bit of a lengthy quote? It's by a man named Daryl Bach. He says this, all of this, talking about the book of Acts, all of this was the work, is the work of an active God. An active God. Who's still active, by the way. An active God. God has been directing events throughout the book. God sent forth, set forth the call for the mission. God gave the spirit. God directed the churches to the Gentiles. God called out Paul with Barnabas and then sent Paul to Jerusalem and Rome. God protected Paul as he brought the word there as a faithful witness. God can be trusted and his calling is to be followed. He's an active God. He says the theological premise of Acts is that Jesus is Lord of all so the gospel can go to all. Luke's message is this, be reassured. I believe, that's what I've experienced as I've tried to study the book of Acts. Just simply being reassured. Be reassured the unhindered progress of God's word about salvation to all people is occurring by God's direction. Fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ according to the long revealed promise of scripture to Israel and despite opposition. God is the hero of Acts. The plot line of how he reveals his word through Jesus and a faithful church. God will make sure that it happens and so will his faithful church. Now this does not negate the fact that God used men like 
Paul and Barnabas and others that we've covered here tonight. But let's keep the emphasis on God. The fact that it was God. How did you get saved? God had somebody at the right place at the right time that shared with you the gospel. God did that. And the, the fact that God was at work in your life means that he wants to be at work in the lives of others. So let's consider tonight as we finish out just these two verses. You say, oh man, we're going to get out early tonight. not going to try to hold you late, but I am, I'm not saying that these verses won't take us some time to work through. But it really, it is quite simple. I, I want us to consider from this text, and really the, gospel, the book of Acts as a whole, some tips, some ideas, some lo a look at evangelism, even as God used Paul's example during his Roman imprisonment here. And as we think about evangelism today, what can we find here that we are to follow? Well, number one, I see this. Paul followed God's leadership for his life. I know that's simple. At the same time, that's how we have the gospel even today. Uh, coming this far, Paul followed God's leadership for his life. And I'm just going to review uh, the previous verses that we considered last Sunday night. When you follow God's aim for your life, he brings people into your life that will be a great source of encouragement. Isn't that what God has done in this church and in this church? In this, uh, church family's life. You've got people around you who care about you that will encourage you. When you follow God's aim, God's will for your life, he joins your life to the greatest mission on earth. When you follow God's aim or his direction for your life, he will use you to make a difference in a few lives, even though you may not be used to change the direction of the whole nation. You remember the starfish illustration last week as a man was throwing those in and so many of them were there on that shore of the beach and, and the man asked him, said, now, what are you doing? Do you think you're going to throw all these in? You can't make that kind of a difference. But he picked up that next starfish and threw it back in and said, I made a difference in that one's life and I made a difference in that one's life and made a difference in that one's life. Listen, will we see America turn back to God? I pray that we would. I don't know that we will, but I, I pray to that end. I'd love to see that, wouldn't you? And we may not see that ever come back around, but we can help a little bus child that come in and learn who Jesus is and a teenager and a, and a young married couple who needs some direction in their life, we can see a difference made in their life if we'll follow God's direction. Number one, I see that Paul did just that. He followed God's direction in his life all the way to Rome. Number two, Paul trusted the word of God to do the work of God. Amen. I'm going to run that by you one more time. God, I'm sorry, Paul trusted the word of God to do the work of God. I love Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16 that Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the power of God. It's the dynamite. It's the, the word is dunamis. It's the power of God. It makes things move and happen. Power. You've heard the story. I've shared it here before about the guy fishing with dynamite. Now, you're not supposed to do that. That's illegal. Okay, so I'm not advocating that. Let me be very clear. This is being recorded not to do that. Uh, but the guy was fishing with dynamite. You know, the game warden come up alongside of him in the boat. And he said, you can't, what are you doing? You can't do that, fishing with dynamite. Because when you do that, obviously, you know, the dynamite goes down and poof, fish start coming up. I mean, you can catch a whole lot that way. So the guy, the old... Uh, fisherman, he lit one more of uh, those dynamite sticks, and dynamite sticks and gave it to the game warden and said, what are you going to do, talk or fish? 
Well, I don't know about all of that, but I do know this, that this word is powerful. It's faced all kinds of opposition, yet it's come through. I love a poem uh, called The Anvil. Maybe you've heard it. I'm going to read it just here briefly tonight. Last eve I paused before a blacksmith's door and heard the anvil ring the vesper chime. And looking in, I saw old hammers on the floor, worn by the beating years of time. How many anvils have you had, said I, to wear and batter all these hammers so? Just one, said he. Then with a twinkle in his eyes, the anvil wears the hammers out, you know. And so I thought, the anvil of God's word, for ages skeptics' blows have beaten upon, yet through, yet though the noise of falling blows was heard, the anvil is unharmed. The hammer's gone. For years, skeptics have tried to bang on this anvil, the anvil of the word of God. Listen, it's not wore God's word out, but there's a bunch of hammers laying on the ground that have been worn out. Hammers of doubt, hammers of opposition, hammers of slander that have tried to make this word look like something that it's not. Listen, but it stood the test of time and Paul was trusting and we have today and are able to trust that the word of God can do the work of God. That's what he was trusting. He preached the Bible to them. God did an incredible work. There's two responses that he saw. People were either receptive or they rejected it. It's basically what it came down to. Some were stubborn. Paul just met with the Jews and many of them walked out the door. Lost. Stubborn. Heard about uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, you know, that great architect. He built a house for a very rich man named Hibbert Johnson said one rainy evening, Johnson was, was entertaining distinguished guests for dinner when the roof began to leak. He said it seeped through directly above Johnson himself, dripping steadily on his bald head. I've got compassion on the guy. <laughs> dripping on his head. He called Frank Lloyd Wright down in Phoenix, Arizona and said, Frank, you built this wonderful house for me and we enjoy it very much, but I have told you that the, leaf, the roof leaks and right now I have some friends and distinguished guests and it's leaking right on top of my head. Wright's reply, well, Hib, why don't you move? <laughs> Can't we be stubborn? We know what the Word of God says and it says it steadily to us. The Jews knew what the Word of God said and many of them reasoned with Paul from morning till evening, yet they walked out stubbornly rejecting the message that would have helped their life. Paul was confident. Their, their rejection of the word of God did not, did not in any way shake his, his confidence. And, and Paul preached to those who heard him because he was. He was confident in the truth. And listen, here's, here's why we open up those doors every Sunday morning and, and Wednesday night and why we go out on Saturdays and why we go out on Tuesdays and why people go out to the workplaces and to school and everywhere you go. And we go out because we're confident that this word is true and it is right and it can hit home and it can change a life and it can save a soul and it can give hope and help in the midst of this world. That's our confidence. I'm confident and growing even more confident as years go by that the Word of God can and will do the work of God. That's it. 
We need to trust the word of God. Are we going to face indifference? Absolutely. Will we face opposition? For sure. Will, will we see some that will continue in sin? No doubt. Will there be hypocrisy? Yes. Will changes come to our, our country? No doubt. Will there be disappointments? Oh, yes. But listen, the word of God does not change, and we can be confident in it. Number one, he followed God's leadership in his life. Number two, he trusted the word of God to do the work of God. Number three, in his, his approach to evangelism, I love this. Number three, and this brings us to verse 30, Paul welcomed everyone. Paul welcomed everyone who came for the sake of the gospel. Look at verse number 30 again. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house. And oh, look at these next two words, received all. Isn't that wonderful? That the gospel of Acts, the, the, the book of Acts rather, that's talking about the spread of the gospel ends on that note that it's still a gospel for everybody. It's a message that is for everyone. And he received all. That means he welcomed them. He received them favorably. He gave them a, free, a friendly reception. I don't know who all came. Maybe it was some who had previously walked out the door. You know what he did? He left the door open for them to come back in. You know how we need to handle things around here? Even if people become obstinate or even if they reject the message or, or, or what, however it is they leave. Listen, we need to, if, if they leave, we need to let them leave in such a way that the door is always open. Whether that's a previous church member that's gone somewhere else, let's, let's so handle that situation in such a way that the person knows, hey, we love you, and anytime you want to come back, the door's open. Leave the door open. Paul received all. He received all. What do we have occasion to do every Sunday? Receive all. Receive all. Regardless of their backgrounds, their baggage, their hurts, their shame, their disgrace, their hopelessness, seemingly hopelessness. We receive all. Doesn't matter where you're coming from. Receive all. You know what friend day is? We're saying this. We receive all. We receive all because he receives all who come by faith. Isn't that wonderful? We receive all because he receives all. The Bible says that Paul received all. He welcomed them. He was glad to have them. Well, this only makes sense since the gospel is supposed to go to everybody. I, as I drove away yesterday from Central Baptist Church there in Ponca City, God's really blessing the church. It's growing and seeing people saved. And I noticed out on, their, out on their marquee, a big sign that said this, guests are always welcome. Guests are, and it just kept scrolling, different things going there, but every, every, quite often it was coming across, guests are always welcome. It's how it ought to be. Amen. Guests are always welcome. How about we, let me just remind you of this. I, I know you know this, but how about we make a big deal when guests come? Make a big deal about guests being here. How do we do that? Well, we try to host them and show them where to go and, and uh, sit with them and invite them to sit with you. you. You do a good job at that, but let's, I, I want to keep it in front of us because if, if we don't, if we're not all reminded, then we can let it slide, can't we? Just kind of getting our... Uh, circles and forget about other people and involving them. Listen, uh, let's not let anybody sit alone. Let's go to them. Let's be a friend of them. Let's go out of our way. Let's get out of our comfort zone. Maybe you don't like to talk to people, but, but go ahead and talk to them. Even if you're scared, you'll get over that after a while. And then you'll find out this, man, this is a bunch of fun. Well, that's the right word to use, but it really is. It's exhilarating. It's a blessing. And, and, and mainly you're doing it not just for our enjoyment. In fact, really, if you set your enjoyment aside, that's not even the issue. The issue is this. God loves that person. 
and they may look different from you and it may seem a little intimidating to go and talk to them. But listen, I think you'll find that God so loved that person that he sent his son and that if you'll love them for Jesus' sake, you'll get over a lot of things that you're inhibited by. Love people, love people, love people. Be friendly, be friendly. I'm telling you, friendliness will go so far and make such a difference because people say, man, people like we're glad that I'm here. And they'll want to come back. They need to come back. They need to come back. Paul welcomed everyone. We need to welcome everyone for the, for the sake of the gospel. Not just in our church services, but let me say a word to you. In your Sunday school class. In your Sunday school class. That is such a prime opportunity. In your Sunday school class, be very, very friendly. Outgoing in Sunday school. You know, we can come and and have so much else on our mind that you just kind of come into the service and then you go out. Let, let's come in, not, not with this mentality, I'm going to be ministered to. No, how about we all just come in here, and I, I believe this is taking place, but come in here with this mentality. I'm coming in here not just to be ministered to, but to minister. You're a minister. You're ministering to people. He welcomed all. He welcomed all. Number four, Paul focused on Jesus and his rule in our lives. Paul and his evangelism focused on Jesus, verse 31, and he focused on his rule in our lives. Preaching, announcing, proclaiming. The word is used of a herald who would loudly proclaim. Preaching the kingdom of God. We've seen that, haven't we, throughout. In fact, one of the very first questions asked in the book of Acts was, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. He did not say, and, and we covered this last week, but wouldn't that be a prime opportunity for Jesus to say, no, wait a minute, the kingdom's already been fulfilled. There's not going to be a literal reign. There's a spiritual reign. Jesus could have straightened them out on that if they were, they were obviously thinking literal. And Jesus could have said, no, it's not, it's not literal, it's spiritual. But Jesus didn't do that. He simply said, it's not time for you to know the times and the seasons. And he told him to dwell in Jerusalem and to pray for, for the Spirit and, and to wait there, tarry in Jerusalem till they're empowered in, in from on high. And so, in any case, the kingdom of God, Paul's preaching the kingdom of God. Well, the kingdom of God, here we come to that uh, reference once again, and we really haven't covered it throughout as much as, as maybe what we could. But really, that, that phrase there is going to have a context to it in different context. Well, he's, it's the kingdom of God, so who's the ruler? Obviously, God, who's the ruled? Well, that depends on what part of the Bible you're talking about. Because here you have, like in uh, Psalm 145, God is king over all the earth. But is everybody subject to God's ruling? No, obviously not. Different parts of the earth, they don't even know the true and living God. But that doesn't negate the fact that God is king. And then you do have the Davidic kingdom that will be set up. I'm talking about that in which Jesus would rule and reign for a thousand years. But then also you have in Matthew's account of the Gospels, Matthew 13, and, and also in Mark, as Jesus described, the kingdom of God and how that there would be the wheat and the tares and, and that uh, other parables that he used there. And what he's talking about there is the mystery form of the kingdom in the sense that there would be a time period in which that there would be people gathered together, some who were saved and some who were not. And then you have also, of course, the, how that uh, when a person is saved that they're delivered from, from darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son, truly saved individuals. So you have all these contexts in which to consider. The main thing you've got to do is just the exegetical work to see, okay, what's it talking about here? Well, what is 
Paul talking about preaching the kingdom of God. No doubt he was preaching to these Jews, there's still a kingdom to come. But he's also saying to them, no doubt as well, that Jesus is king now, though he's not ruling and reigning on this earth, there is a day in which he will, but he can be your king today. If you'll trust him as your savior, translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And so he preached the kingdom of God. And then also it says that he taught those things that concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you know it was a joy for Paul to sit down with those that came to his house as he spoke about the eternal existence of Jesus Christ and talked about his deity and his birth and his life and his teachings and his death and his resurrection and his coming. And then the Bible says that he did this as he, he made Jesus the very focus. How about we just do that in our evangelism? Let's make Jesus the focus of our evangelism. Yeah. And he did this, it says, with all confidence. All confidence. There, what that means, of course, is with boldness, openness, without reservation, without reservation, sharing Christ Jesus without reservation. You know, you and I have absolutely no reason to be reserved about sharing the gospel. We have no reason to be because of who he is and what people need. He did this with all confidence. And then when it says, no man forbidding him, uh, what that's talking about is that he did this, at least at this point in time, without restriction. Without restriction. The Roman government at this point was allowing people to come and go as they pleased. They didn't hinder the gospel from spreading. There's going to come a change, though. But while Paul had that freedom, he made the most of it. I don't know what's going to happen in America, do you? The time may come when we can't knock doors, so they say. You know what we ought to do? While we have this great liberty, use it. Amen. We may get run out of a few places. Here just recently, the Heartland couples and different ones have been in some apartment complexes. I've been kicked out of a few apartment complexes. We have legal right to be there. Sometimes they'll post some signs and such, and we, try to, we don't try to be obnoxious about it. You know, but uh, we're there. Those folks need the gospel. Here just recently, been ran out of a few apartment complexes. That's all right. We got a few tracks handed out before they got to us. <laughs> People need the gospel. We have a higher authority to go than an apartment complex person to say no. You say, I don't know if I like that or not. Well, all I know is that all power is given unto him. Authority there. But my point is this, Paul made use of the opportunity he had to share the gospel while there was no restriction. Listen, we've got no restriction going door to door. We can do that and we should. Let's make the most of it while we have time, while we have opportunity to share the gospel with others. He did just that. <clears throat> he followed God's leadership, number one. He trusted the word of God to do the work of God. He welcomed everyone, everyone for the sake of the gospel. And he focused on Jesus and their need of him. You realize today that there are a great number of people who could be benefiting from the gospel who are not. They could be, but they're not. There are people in our city who could be benefiting like you and I are benefiting right now, but they're not. Some of them are not because they've rejected it. They've rejected it. But there's a big, good number who are living without the blessing of knowing Jesus 
simply because somebody hasn't ever really presented him to them in such a fashion that they understood. Just uh, this past Thursday night, we had our family devotion. It was our mission night. We have one Thursday night where we either read a mission letter or have a mission lesson. And so on this one, I did a little research, found a uh, missionary activity for our family to do. So came prepared that night, kind of threw him a curveball. And um, I said to Tyler, I said, hey, bud, I mean, we just finished, you know, doing our deals, pledged to the Bible, seeing the B-I-B-L-E and such. And I said, okay, bud, uh, Tyler, I didn't tell him what I was doing. I want you to go outside. I want, I want you to go outside right there beside the garage. I want you to out of the house, out of the house. Go. He looked at me like, I want you out of the house, go out there with Tucker, go. Okay. So anyways, got him out of the house. And I said to the two little boys, I said, now, boys, now, it was just a quarter. Okay, I'm a little cheap, right? But I worked it up like it was a big deal. And I told them what date it was, like this was real significant. Okay, so I really worked up. The, and, I, and I said this to them. I said, your mom and dad, we love you very much. We love you. And, and we want you to have this gift. And, you know, like I said, I worked it up, big deal. It's what I had on hand at the time. But I said, we want you to have this because we love you. We want you to have this. Well, they were appreciative, but little Trenton said, but dad, what about Tyler? <laughs> I said, hey, we love Tyler too. And, and I brought another coin out of my pocket and I said, and we've got one for him. And we want him to have it. We, we love him just like we love you boys. And we want him to have it. How are we going to get it to him? We were in the far side of the house. He was out there, outside, way out. I said, can we yell and bring him in? And they said, no, he probably won't hear us. So I said, what should we do? And it was concluded, well, if that's for him and you want him to have it, then one of us need to go. And you know what happened is they both went. A missionary team. <laughs> they went out there and gave it to him. He came back in and we all rejoiced together. Listen, God loves you very much. He's given you something very special in the Lord Jesus Christ because he loves you. But he also loves that man that's down 59th Street here. And this lady that's this other way and the one that's up north and all these folks, those folks in the Asian district and, and uh, down here around Capitol Hill and the folks that are there in the Deep Deuce area and all around. He, he loves them. He loves them just like he loves you. He's got salvation for them just like he had for you. What are we going to do tonight? Yell? Yell loud enough for them to hear us? Well, I, if there was some sound system that, Brother Jude, if we could rig up that would reach all these areas, well, maybe I shouldn't tempt Jude with this. He might try to <laughs> figure out something to do there. Broadcast this out to everybody. Well, we, that's not feasible. But it, are, are you agreeing tonight? It's for them too? It's not like he loves us more than he loves them. So that means some of us need to go. 
who'll go? Who'll go tomorrow? Or who'll go tonight? Who'll go? Well, God's calling on you to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to try to do my part. With God's help, I'm going to try to do my part. And I know many of you are as well. How about we just all go? Let's all go. And share with somebody that Jesus loves them and he has something very special for them. It's called salvation. The eternal gift of salvation available to you. What if they say no? Well, that's their loss. But let's leave the door open. The trial might hit their family. They'll need somebody to be there with them. You know what they'll think about? A kind person that gave them an invitation to church or shared the gospel with them. And they might come around. We've studied about other people going. They went. Let's go. Father, we thank you tonight for Jesus, for salvation, a church family, the Holy Spirit, being brothers and sisters in Christ, help in trials, hope in difficulties, peace in circumstances, and on and on the list could go of benefits of the gospel. Great is just knowing Jesus. Thank you for those who went in Paul, and Barnabas, and Timothy, Titus, Aristarchus, Luke. Peter, James, Aquila and Priscilla, Mary, Martha, different ones that went everywhere sharing Jesus with others. Tabitha. God, we thank you for these. What an example to our faith. God, I pray you'd help us to follow in their steps to go with this wonderful message that we've received. Help us to be witnesses of the resurrected Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.